0: It's almost New Year's! Three, two, one, Happy New Year! My resolution is to be more fun. Hey,
1: it's Hi, my, I'm I'm Nice to see you. Have
0: a nice day. Hi, I was wondering if this was the same Chris T. Because, um the radio show. because um, if it is, I think your show's really great. Um, but if it isn't, um, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? They said when you got here the whole thing started. Who are you? What are, are you? you? Where did you come from? I think you're in the cause of all this. I think you're evil! Evil! The devil is all that. This is simple. It's a mental move. the dementia of a loyalistic general? Let's go! Because you're bastard people!
1: listen to me, you white-mouthed punk. We've heard just about all we want from you. Let him have it, Chris. Let him have it, Chris. Let him have it. And the bottles can be a swish for everything. You're listening to Aerial View, worldwide on the internet. What kind of
0: radio yes. show is this? i heard his voice on the tape, and it really put the hook in me. I have a pretty Many, many times. On both the flight program and the homeschool. Is this in New Jersey, don't Here's who we are. Chris, you get out of let's talk. I'm sick of talking. Stop it, i You get a of me It's not as weird as I know how to talk to people. let clear the <laughs> the whole <laughs> thing. Mike has his name on the air, deliver a coded message. You're a man, you're mine. No, I'm not out of my mind. Oh, come on. Now, we're going
1: to listen to what he said on the air. Because all we're dealing with here, after all, is small showtime against a man's life. And I don't see that as any argument. I can see you are really upset by this. Let's all right, just a kid. Come on, that's <laughs> a good friend. English. Hey, stand up and wiggle your head, this girl. I know that guy, but we're a oh, boy. he's yeah, And I'll smash your face with your yabble boots. not you stop that, huh? Stop it. Uh-huh. Conversation is a two-way street. Oh, <laughs> I, don't I don't get your act at all. I don't think you do either. I don't think you know what you're trying to do. I you You're stupid. I heard it over the radio. You're stupid.
0: I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Finally! you will not take me <laughs> now, over here now or for any other space for time. I'll pitch my voice wherever I play! I a
1: famous
0: radio personality <laughs> now. Most people today couldn't care <laughs> less about the radio <laughs> personalities. I couldn't agree with you more. He's always talking about some radio star that I never heard of. You don't like my stories? You don't have to listen to my program. Listen to the radio. Find out what's going on. Listen to the talk shows and you will find out what's going on. Oh, man. Mm. Talk radio? Yes, yes talk radio. It's so boring. man. okay. okay. The card is just, just made suicide. How <laughs> oh, do I have an idea.
1: I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Come on, baby. Show the man your power, baby.
0: Blast him. Give him some of that tone. Come oh, on, man. It's showtime.
1: Don't <laughs> you smile while we <laughs> kiss this. Good evening. Ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. A very auspicious beginning. Sure, it's a talk show. You know, people phone and like a beef. Oh, what about? Whatever After If I do, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other
0: times he says some straight. I. George. I drink it up. We kill you soon. You are not sleepy or tired ever. They! Who in the hell is they? <laughs> <laughs> They? <laughs> Why, they is just plain and fancy, they. That's who they is. They. Who the hell is they? Did you miss me? Huh? <laughs> Well, here I am, pushing open the door to 2024. It's me, Chris T, here on Uh where every Sunday the hound howls at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and then Mark and Miriam with the Doop wop chop Shop of the year crashing the party. You got them 78s on vinyl. You got those doo-wops on 78. You got that vinyl on 78? You got... You got Gots, as they say. My friend Stu, Stu Stugatz. I haven't done a live aerial view since June of 2023, and a lot of shit has gone down in that time, my friends. Before I go much further, though, my special guest tonight will be Ken Katkin. Professor of Constitutional Law at the Sam and P. Chase School of Law Northern Kentucky and uh, host of Trash Flow Radio on WAIF-FM. Heard uh, Saturdays at 3 p.m. And you can get to WAIF-FM if you're in the Cincinnati area, but you can also, uh, it's at 88.3. But you could also get to it online at WAIF 88.3. Dot org, And Ken will join us in a bit. Ken's been here before to tell us all about what the hell SCOTUS is up to. Sounds like a medical condition. I got the SCOTUS again. It's acting up. Whenever it gets cold like this, my SCOTUS. Oh! Ah. My SCOTUS! And uh, there's actually breaking news that I will discuss with... Ken Katkin, in just a bit. So sit tight, you sons of bitches. That's a term of endearment here, by the way. I don't. Who asked for a teletype now? I didn't ask for a teletype now. We don't. This. I'm not talking about breaking news right now. I'm going to talk about what's happened since the last time I did a live show. Did anyone ask you for the teletype? No. And is it's Don on the phone? I want someone to get their goddamn head out of their ass. What about the pictures I asked to see? Got me coming out of a upbeat song and doing a goddamn death dedication! Teletypes for later. For breaking news. When Ken gets here. This breaking Supreme Court news. But before Ken gets here, I'm going to open up the phones just in case. Lord knows somebody's out there listening and would like to phone in. What are the odds of that? Slim the none, and Slim just left town. 760-422-5528 if you want to call Aerial View. 760-422-5528. And that number is in uh, Palm Springs. In case your significant other says, what's with these phone calls to Palm Springs? Why are you calling Palm Springs? I'm communing with the ghost of Frank Sinatra. That's why, honey. No, I just say I, mean, I called into this talk show that's been around in one form or another since 1989 with uh, Chris T. That's why. So I wanted to talk about What's been going on since he was on live last, which was uh, June of last year. So That's, by my count, more than six months. But things have been going on here, and probably the most significant thing that happened in my life is that we lost our beloved orange tabby, Roger, at the age of 16, back on September 13th. And uh, it's tough friends it's really tough Roger was my pal he was my friend he was my constant companion he was such a great great presence that I dubbed him Roger King of Cats we also had many other pet names for him including Pooji. that was probably the number one and I don't know where that name came from but we ended up sticking it into all kinds of songs Anytime the word you was in a song, we would change it to pooj. And it's hard now because you hear these songs and that line is coming around and you're thinking, oh yeah, he's no longer around. It's not entirely true. He's in a little wooden box. His cremains are anyway. Sitting on a shelf in our living room with his little paw print. And uh, on January 16th, I'm going to go get the first tattoo I've gotten in God knows how long, and it'll be a tattoo of Roger from a drawing that Sweet Tea, my wife made. So really, everything else kind of paled in comparison, including that yearly party that I'm a part of that I busted my ass on this year for weeks and weeks and weeks and then it got cancelled due to the climate crisis and the unending godly rain just wouldn't stop for days on end and biblical, biblical fucking rain just would not give up and uh, no party and in the wake of that a couple of friendships may have also been washed away. And there's a thing about growing up and growing older and you realize, you begin to realize some people you thought were friends were perhaps just acquaintances. And that the term fair-weather friend begins to make a lot of sense because as soon as things get stormy, these people are like, I'm out of here. Now, I admit I'm not the easiest person in the world to get along with. Just ask Sweet Tea. But I do believe in communication, what some people call confrontation. So in the service of avoiding confrontation, they harbor their resentments, their, the things you do or did that they don't like. And they never tell you. And then one day you're like, Hey, I don't really hear from you anymore. What's going on? How come we don't we don't get together? We haven't talked? And then you get a litany. A litany going back a decade or more of all the shitty stuff you've done. And you're like, hey, maybe you could have brought this up at the time, given me a chance to uh, course correct. But no! What can I say? It just makes me value even more the friends, the true friends that I've had for many, many years and put up with me despite the fact I'm a human fucking being. I might just go listen to the New York Dolls tonight. I got to hear that song. I'm a human being. And it's tough being human. You fuck up all the time because you're human. You know, when AI takes over, I, well, listen, AI is going to fuck up too. I have news for you. And when AI fucks up, holy moly!
1: Yes,
0: it's going to be good when AI fucks up. We're going to get Ken Katkin in here in just a bit to get us caught up on SCOTUS. And the uh, fact that the anniversary of January 6th is tomorrow. And some people are really pushing this narrative that uh, it's a day to celebrate. It was a day for great patriots to try to take back their country, blah, blah, blah. But those people are dangerous fucking fascists. And uh, word gets to me that President Joe Biden just gave a speech outside of Valley Forge that uh, condemned Donald Trump in the strongest terms. Fiery, they called it. Went right after him. This guy is a no good nick. Some of the things he said is political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States system. Never, never, never. It has no place in a democracy. None. You can't be pro-insurrectionist and pro-American. He also accused Trump of trying to rewrite the facts of January 6th. He's trying very hard to steal the definition of January 6th, like he tried to steal the election, but we saw it with our own eyes. Well, Joe, after the cataract surgery, I'm sure can see it with his own eyes. I'm really tired of how they're going after Joe Biden because of his age, because you know what? If you don't take a fucking dirt nap, you're going to get old. There's just no two ways around it. And how are you going to feel when you're 81 and people are regularly shitting on you because you're 81? I mean, look, I'll freely admit I was one of those uh, people, young people who'd be like, "Get out of my way, old man." But now that I'm an old man, I'm like, "Fuck you kid." I know a thing or two. I know some shit. That's what you get for growing older. You get life experience. And that's what Joe Biden has. Life experience. He's been around. He's seen a lot. He knows a lot. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is just a short-fingered vulgarian. As he was dubbed in Spy Magazine all those years ago, he's a piece of human shit, is what he is. Whose only purpose in life seems to be Self-aggrandizement and fucking us all up and getting us all at each other's throats. And the sooner he's off the national scene, the better, even though one of his stupid fucking kids will step into that void. All right. Ken Katkin, if you're listening, why don't you call in and uh, we'll go over the breaking Supreme Court News. Because there is breaking news. Now you could play that teletype. Now! Wait a minute. Now that I need it? Where is it, pal? What do you... What? It's not a coffee break. What? Damn it. All right. I think that's the sound of... Ken calling in. Let's take Ken's call. Ken catkins call yeah, how are you doing I'm ken here. good how are you uh so far so good uh we're not that far into 2024 and things haven't gone disastrously wrong yet i am paying to rebuild the transmission on my car at a cost of 2200 dollars, and that's making me physically ill but otherwise i'm okay how are you uh I'm
1: I'm pretty good. I, I wh- why are you why are you putting $2200 into the car? Is is it worth that much?
0: Um you know there are times when uh I really do appreciate the Talmudic side of your yourself Ken Katkin where <laughs> yeah, where you would really that. weigh the decision to throw $2200 into a car from 1994 and I was just like <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to get the transmission done. You know why? Really, because I don't feel like going out and buying another car right now. I'm not ready to buy another car. And my next car, Ken, is going to be full electric. And before I buy an electric car, I want to put a level two charger in the garage. So I'm not buying the cart before the horse. Right. And then the dream is to, when we replace our roof, put solar panels in there and I drive for free. Yep. That's the way to do it. So if $2,200 is going to get me to that point, then I just have to make the investment. And you know what? The other thing is, when I go to sell this car, I can say, look, transmission was rebuilt. The head gasket was replaced. These are maintenance items you don't have to worry about for another 200,000 miles. Because these cars will go routinely 300,000 miles. And uh, so I don't think it's it's money wasted. Let's put it that way.
1: That's good. That's good. I just just wanted to, you know, give you a little bit of a, uh, you know, sounding board to to work through that.
0: You know, if I thought that I wasn't pestering you, I would call you more often and run decisions past you. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I'd be like, what do you think? Because you, generally speaking, you do tend to weigh things very carefully. And whereas I'm like going to the bank to get cash for my mechanic because then he gives me a discount.
1: You know I had a similar kind of emotional thing with a car recently too though cuz you, you remember probably last time we talked or the time before I had told you all about my car that was stolen the Camry? by a, a policeman Yeah the the 2010 Camry that was stolen by a adult a Illinois policeman off the streets of Chicago and I fought hard and I got it back and you know after I got that car back uh the exhaust system went and you know these these um these modern Toyotas they they don't have like a separate. It's not like you can just replace the muffler or the pipes or whatever you need. You you got to replace one single piece, which is the whole exhaust system, which costs like about two grand. And uh, and I was thinking, you know, well, is it worth it? The same question I just asked you. You know, I've got a 2010 Camry with 180,000 miles on it. Should I actually spend the two grand to replace the exhaust system? But in, in my case, kind of like in your case. I think I didn't really work through it with just logic, but I thought more like, this is the car that I fought to get back from a policeman who stole it, and I'm not ready to trade it in. I want to keep this car because I fought so hard to get it back. So I I did the same thing you did. I I put the money into it.
0: Oh, good. I thought this was going to end differently. I thought you were going to say I decided not to. Now, did you have to get a catalytic converter as well because those are expensive?
1: No, I don't think I needed a whole catalytic converter. It's just Mm. there's. There's one single, well, maybe I did. Maybe that's part of it, and that's why I did. There's one single unified exhaust system. So it probably did include a catalytic converter. Mm. Like all the, all, the, all the American cars you know, that I had before, you, you, you'd go to like a Midas muffler or something and just replace the piece that you needed to
0: replace. But yeah. now, like with these modern Toyotas,
1: it's like all or nothing. So right. that's
0: what made it very expensive. Throw the replace whole thing the out. System. There you go. Yeah. You know, you could have done I, I, like yeah, we I did b- back in the day and just ran without one. Just you know,
1: until
0: you get run, until you get pulled over, and the cops are like, "Why is your Camry so so loud?"
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I that would probably happen to me a fair amount, and uh, and I uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to. And also, it's, I'm, that car now mainly stays with my son in uh, Chicago, so I didn't want to cause him all that heartburn with it. But I, I I replaced it. But I yeah, I was just like, I'm not fighting so hard to get a car back, and then just giving up on that car as soon as the the exhaust system goes i i did the same thing you and me both we're both putting a couple grand into old cars now
0: yeah well i I look at it this way too i don't have a car payment i haven't had a car payment in many years so that's good and if i have to spend that much on the car so be it but i do want to find out what's going on with the crooked cop this guy now if you if you don't remember these shows in the past when ken katkin discussed how the camry was snatched off the streets of uh, a chicago suburb am i am i getting that right chicago he
1: was a suburban cop but it was in the city of chicago that he snatched
0: the car and um the thing that you stumbled into uh was allegedly what seemed to be this uh this 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 way for um the police department to make a few extra bucks by uh snatching these cars and claiming they were used in the commission of a crime and then auctioning them off and keeping the proceeds
1: yeah, that's pretty much what I think I did stumble into. It. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I was able quickly enough to just, you know, start making enough trouble that I got the car back right away. But I think where we left off, you know, I was trying to assemble more evidence of a, of a broader scheme with more victims, you know, in hoping that I could then bring forward a pattern and practice civil rights lawsuit. And I, I have been a little bit stymied in that. So really in the time since we talked, um, I've continued – to pursue a lot of different uh, public records and open records act requests to try to gather as much information as I can about, you know, th- this wide, what I think is a widespread pattern of practice. But I, I, I am working with some other lawyers on it, and I, I haven't been able to get to the point yet where we're really ready to file a civil rights lawsuit. Like, we're going we're gonna to need more evidence, but we're still looking for it.
0: Does the evidence include people whose cars were taken having to uh, sit? for a deposition or testify or be a witness or can you do that without other victims
1: no well i would i would that would be what i'd get to after we filed the lawsuit but what we need before we file the lawsuit is just uh, a documentation of um you know how many of these situations cars were you know so what happened in my case was my car was stolen by a policeman he entered it into the law enforcement logs that he had seized it because it was used in a major crime. You know, that was a total lie. You know, nobody ever charged me or anyone in my family with any, any major crime. And, you know, eventually I, I persisted enough that after paying a $1,200 ransom to a tow lot, I was able to get the car back. But the kind of uh, public records that I was trying to look for is, you know, how many other people had their cars uh, seized by police officers, uh, on the theory that the car was used in a major crime, but then you know they were never charged with the major crime. Um, and how many times did these tolots um, end up collecting these ransoms and giving the car back? You know, for, which they, you know, of course, if the car was used in a major crime, you know, they wouldn't give it back. So that pretty much would show that they, they always, you know, that, that, that they, that they're taking these cars without any bona fide belief that they're used in a major crime. And I, I have to get that information from a lot of different uh, suburban Chicago police jurisdictions, and a lot of them are slowballing public records act requests. So I have to sue on the individual public records act requests. So it's, it's been a slow slog, and I. You know this all happened a, a, a year ago, and I really had hoped that in, in a, within a year I'd get enough of this kind of data you know to make it seem like I could document that there's a pattern in practice of um, that that a lot of cars are being taken from people that they're being logged as if they were lawfully seized because they were used in a major crime, but then there's no connection to any major crime, nobody gets charged with the crime uh, you know so I'm, I'm still just trying to get that data once I get that data. Then I can start looking into who some of the individuals are that this happened to, and start um, deposing them.
0: That's uh, so it, it, this could this could be a while. We could you could be at this for a year or more before you're. Yeah, I mean, I've been at it for a year, and yeah. I, it could
1: be another year or more. But I'm I haven't given up. But I think also some of the lawyers that I'm working with who are in Chicago, you know, they they have other cases too, and so it's kind of like once things slow down, that kind of like things slowing down causes things to slow down more it's called
0: entropy it overtakes you it overtakes you entropy but the other thing (laughs) is is that uh watergate from the time the break-in occurred to nixon stepping down that took 22 months so uh, this you think this will take as long as watergate
1: (laughs) well i mean look this january 6th stuff they're still arresting and charging people every day and that's already three years ago
0: It's amazing that the anniversary is tomorrow and the narrative is emerging from the right that these people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th were actually patriots and that they should celebrate January 6th as some kind of perverse American holiday. Uh, I was mentioning earlier Biden gave a speech outside of Valley Forge tonight where he condemned Trump in the strongest terms he has um, since January 6th and really went after him and said this, this, you know, the reason I am running again, the reason I, I my work is not done is that the threat remains, the threat to, to democracy remains. This man is uh, not only trying to, not only tried to steal the election, but is trying to steal the very definition of what happened and what we saw happen with our own eyes on, yeah. on January 6th. And um, th- this is a, uh, in, in, in our particular line of work, we're always looking for segues. I, I should mention to Ken, the host of Trash Flow Radio, Saturdays uh, 3 p.m. at WAIF-FM 88.3, if you're in the area, but online at WAIF883.org. And also a uh, professor of constitutional law at the Salmon P. Chase School of Law in northern Kentucky. And have you gone back, by the way? Is school back in yet?
1: Uh, it goes in on Monday, and I'm struggling right now to finish my fall grading and get my syllabi together, but I'll be back in on Monday.
0: Listen, if there's any way I can help, you know, if you need me to grade <laughs> some papers, <laughs> yeah. just let me know. I'll talk to chat GBT, and see what we can get going on. <laughs> but what do you think about this idea of redefining what happened on that day? This is so often what the right has really excelled at is seizing the language and redefining it and making it mean almost the complete opposite of what it meant. It's this kind of, in its own way, it's very, um, it's 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 darkly brilliant because they've, they've been very successful at it. But now, Ken, they're trying to redefine what happened on January 6th.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, of course, it's been called the big lie the whole time. And that uh, itself refers back to Joseph Goebbels and, and, and the big lie. You know the, the sort of um, Nazi notion that um, if you if you tell people things that are just so so false that nobody could believe them, then you, you they'll believe them because they can't believe that anybody would try to lie about something. You know that that's just as big as that. So I, I think that's been a, a a propaganda meme for for a century. It's been used primarily, I think, by right wingers. I don't know that it's going to be so successful though. I, I think uh, you know a lot of uh, Americans remain pretty disturbed by. What happened on January 6th, and a lot of Republicans who are in areas where there's even any amount of competitiveness at the ballot are still definitely trying to run away from that. They're not trying to embrace that. You know, it's only I think because there's some parts of the country where the only kind of competition would be within the Republican Party rather than in a general election. You know, that they just you know try to outrun each other to the right, and and that's where I think those kind of propaganda memes can, can fester
0: it is uh quite something um and you're right i think in a general election he's going to he's got a he's got a tough road to hoe as they say and yeah. he's got a mountain to climb because whereas the maga world is never going to cleave off from their savior uh the general public is kind of tired of this and and the more you remind them of the chaos that we all had to go through For all those years from 2016 to 2020 and how our lives were daily um, dealing with with chaos when for as long as I can remember, you didn't really think about the presidency. And unless it was something like uh, Watergate or George W. Bush uh, bombing the wrong country or you weren't daily thinking, what is going on in the White House? Oh, my God. And I don't think we want to go back to that. I don't think people want to go back to that. So I'm not as pessimistic about Joe Biden's chances as other people I talk to who are like, he's so old. Oh, my God, he's so old. I'm not necessarily going to join you in that conversation. I I just feel like everybody calm down because all Donald Trump has to do is get back on the national stage and every day say something incredibly um, shocking and moronic, and we'll all be reminded of just what that was like. Yeah, so
1: I agree with that. In fact, one thing I think that has been interesting about the media environment the last few years is, you know, I think the, the the most of the mainstream media, probably for good reasons, you know, decided, you know, we don't want to give that guy so much oxygen. We're not going to cover every outrageous thing that he says. But that kind of gave Trump a little bit of a a, a, a win-win for himself, where he's he's been able over the past three years to just get, you know, more and more, you know, fascist, more and more Nazi, more and more, you know, just out, you know, out into a political area where the, the American public would definitely be overwhelmingly rejecting him if they could hear what he was saying. But, you know, the only people that are hearing what he's saying, you know, on a day-to-day basis are the people who are plugged into the right-wing media uh, e- ecosystem that's actually air, giving him air. And, the, and then the rest of the country has not been as exposed you know, during the past few years. But I think the rest of the country will start being exposed again, you know, as he moves towards becoming the Republican nominee. And it's going to be a pretty strange specter to see this guy winning all these Republican primaries at the same time that probably some of his criminal trials will actually be underway.
0: Well, the Supreme Court uh, just announced uh, not even an hour ago that it will review the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to disqualify Donald J. Trump from the primary ballot in that state. And he's commenting on it on uh, a stage out in Iowa, where Trump is right now, saying (laughs) that he's actually angry at the three uh, Supreme Court uh, justices that he uh, put on the court because they're not, quote unquote, siding with me. And so he's he's angry at them, and I guess he's setting the stage already for the Supreme Court, perhaps doing what originalists claim they do, which is to interpret the original text of the Constitution. Because if they do that, don't they have to allow these states to remove Donald Trump from the ballot?
1: You know, I think it's a close question, and there's arguments on two sides of it, so I could, I could lay those out. I mean, I think that the part that I, I think you're speaking to, which I agree with, is if you look at the definition of what he did, and, and if you, you know, read those words in the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which basically say that he, uh, if, if somebody who's already taken an oath of office um, in, in the United States government to be an officer of the United States, uh, then um, after that shall, enga- shall have engaged in resurrection or rebellion against the United States or given aid or comfort to the enemies of the United States, um, then I definitely agree with you. He did that, and so he took the oath. He 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 engaged in insurrection against the United States. He gave aid and comfort to enemies of the United States, and therefore the plain language of Section three would seem to disqualify him. Um, I think that the sort of counter argument though really has to do with you know who has to make that call, right? It it seems to me that's the right call. But that's a different thing than saying um, that any, any state or local official anywhere in the country uh, could, could make that call. And, you know, because there's a lot of potential for abuse there, you know, you could certainly see that, uh, you know, if, if, if the idea is that any, any county board of elections chief could disqualify a, a candidate because they gave aid or comfort to the enemies of the United States, there's plenty of uh, county elections chiefs in this country who will disqualify Joe Biden uh, on that basis say no he's the one who gave um aid and comfort to enemies of the united states and so i i do think there's a. here's what question. kills
0: me here's what kills me donald trump literally gave aid and comfort when he took all that money from for instance the chinese government to stay at his properties he was actually giving them aid and comfort literally we're not even talking yeah. about we're talking about he literally gave china he took 5.5 million dollars which is all they could find before the investigation was shut down after the Republicans took Congress, that's all they could find, $7.8 million, $5.5 million from China to stay at his properties. I guarantee you there's a lot more than $7.8 million. But he literally gave them aid and comfort. That's what's so hilarious about this. But go ahead. Yeah, and
1: I I actually think the people that he gave aid and comfort to on January 6th to go violently attack the Capitol are even more clearly enemies of the United States than than China is. Yes. I I don't even know that China is necessarily an enemy of the United States. You could say it's a
0: rival. Let's say it's a rival.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think everybody who actually tried to overthrow our government violently um, uh, on January 6th of three years ago um, is is an is an enemy of the United States and engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States. So I mean, I I feel like to me it's kind of obvious that he does fit that, but I still feel like the the Constitution doesn't actually say who gets to make that finding, and I I think there is a fair um uh, a fair argument to be made that that has to be made by a a federal official and and maybe wait even a wait pretty
0: what about the theory system? that the framers of the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, deliberately gave Congress, not the the president or the Supreme Court, the power to grant a Section Three waiver.
1: Yeah, Congress could grant a Section Three waiver, but you know, in the in the um, so if you look at the actual times that Section Three was used after the Civil War, when a very large number of Confederates were disqualified. Um, you know, it was because the 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 War Department, which is the you know what we would now call the Defense Department, the Pentagon, you know, they, they published a list of you know who who was uh, um, disqualified, you know, which which Confederates were disqualified, and and I think that's exactly right and proper. But what I'm saying is, um, you know, nobody in the federal government has done that now. Right, nobody in the federal government has said that Donald Trump is disqualified. The 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 only people that have said he's disqualified are um, you know a, a, a trial court in Colorado, which was then affirmed by the Colorado Supreme Court, and uh, a Secretary of State in Maine. But but no you know no federal officials have done that. And really really what I'm saying is if the Pentagon would would fi- make an executive order, or the Secretary of State would make an executive order, or the President of the United States, Joe Biden, would make an executive order finding. Um, the that, that, that Donald Trump is a person who engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States or gave aid and comfort to its enemies i am I'm, I'm absolutely certain you know then that he should be disqualified but but i I think the problem is i i 'm not so certain that that 's a call that can be made by a state or local official only
0: okay well, what about uh his other cases that are going to be coming due in march and What's happening in terms of the ninety-one, the ninety-one charges, felonies? Yeah, is it ninety-one felonies? Is that where we're at? Ninety-one,
1: 91 uh, yeah, ninety-one criminal counts. I can't remember if some of them are misdemeanors, but certainly there are ninety-one counts, and at least most of them are felonies, if not all of them.
0: Yeah. So, but, uh, but uh, yeah, hang on. I'm sorry. I, I, before we go there, what do you think about this breaking news, though, that the Supreme Court it has agreed. To uh, decide whether he's eligible for the Colorado ballot, why why do you think now they're agreeing?
1: Well, they they had to do it. I mean, they, they did it pretty instantly because the only reason it took him this long is because he didn't file his petition asking them until a day or two ago. Okay, you know, so, so the, the uh, you know, it, it it I think he was his usual strategy is a strategy of just delay, 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 thinking that the more he can drag things out, the more he'll be able to not have to. Have any days in court before the election? But um, so what happened in Colorado was uh, the Colorado Republican Party, the state party, they filed a petition with the U.S. Supreme Court um, pretty immediately after the Colorado Supreme Court ruled to kick him off the ballot. But he did not uh, file that petition until uh, this week, and so the Supreme Court I think did have to wait to see if Donald Trump himself was going to file. And there actually were some strategic considerations that might might have made Trump not file. So I don't think they knew for sure he would file, but um, but then he did, and then they instantly granted it. And I think that's right. I think they they should grant it. Um, this is a question that should be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. It's a, it's a question of uh, of interpretation of Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment, which is a provision of the Constitution that has never been interpreted in any court before and hasn't been used in 150 years. So I, I think they they it is an issue for the Supreme Court to decide. So I don't think they had much choice but to grant it. And they they granted it very quickly.
0: Well, a little bit of trivia for your Civil War buffs too by the way. The uh two members of the Confederacy that that uh we know got a uh, section 3 uh allowance or what w- what's the uh what's the word for Dis- it when they disqualification, disqualification. Oh, well they weren't disqualified from running but apparently in the 1970s Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee were basically um they were basically uh, it was congress said in the wake of the vietnam war that uh, in in a bid for national unity oh, they, they
1: they they rehabilitated them
0: yeah they rehabilitated them yes
1: oh i so, didn't even know that that's trivia i did
0: not know yeah it's uh, it's it's kind of fucked up but yeah. <laughs> you know that was the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the vietnam war and the 1970s were very fucked up i lived through yeah. both so yes they were fucked up um, well,
1: but, I'll tell you, I think the court granting this is not that bad of a thing, even though I'm sure they're going to rule in Trump's favor, but I think it's still going to do some damage to Trump.
0: Yeah. Why yeah. do you think they're going to rule if, again, these are originalists? And and it, wouldn't an originalist interpretation of you know, Section 3 mean that he engaged in insurrection and is therefore disqualified? Because well, I
1: think the court has a number of off ramps, and I don't know which one they're going to take. But the reason I think they're going to rule in favor of Trump is um, there's really two reasons actually, and one of them is not even terrible. Um, you know, I think the, the, the one reason that is terrible is you know because because they're Republicans and he's Trump, and they're going to rule in his favor. You know, I, th- I think it is as simple as that. Right. But then I also think. But then I also think there's another reason, you know, which is that it is really a, a dangerous precedent. I think, and I yeah. think I think the court you know, will think that it's not good to, um, you know, let, uh, you know, state and local officials kick people off federal ballots. Um, they, they have some precedent in that direction. So there's nothing like this that came up under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But one thing that came up as recently as 30 years ago, uh, which I think could be analogous, is um, Arkansas had amended its state constitution in the 1980s, to um, allow uh, to, to impose term limits on members of Congress so Arkansas said nobody can be the senator from Arkansas or a House member from Arkansas for more than twelve years and if they've already done it for twelve years they're not qualified anymore and they won't get their name on the ballot anymore and uh, and so that's a it's a qualifications issue it's not um, you know the same as the insurrection but when that went up to the Supreme Court uh, the Supreme Court struck that down and the Supreme Court basically said that um, the states uh, are not really allowed to interfere with the, uh, what they call the privity between voters and the United States government. So you know, even though we vote in states, when we vote for people, for the U.S. Senator for the U.S. Congress, you know, we're sending them from particular states, but, we're, but we're, we're voting in our capacity as United States citizens, not as state citizens. And so the, so the idea is that the, the, the states and the United States, they can't uh, get themselves in the middle of the relationship between the citizens and the, uh, and the other government. And so I, I think that's not a bad principle. And if you apply that here, you might think that Colorado and Maine, you know, shouldn't put themselves in the middle of the relationship between the U.S. citizens who live in those states and who they want to vote for for a U.S. office, including the presidency, so I, I think that's not a bad principle. I think they'll they'll probably vo- vocalize that. You know, they're certainly not going to vocalize the principle that they're going to have to rule in Trump's favor because they're all Republicans. But I do think that will be an unspoken motive um, in the case.
0: It's it's uh, I tell you, it's it's always something when you see this. Thing that I heard constantly uh, while in school about the Constitution being a living, breathing document, and every day it's in the news, including not just what's going on with this Colorado and Maine, for instance, disqualifying Trump based on something that goes back to 1865, but uh, the Supreme Court reinstated Idaho's uh, abortion ban for now, it says here for now. And so a Supreme Court, and by the way, this could be the issue that really does change everything. I mean, really does drive people to the polls in 2024. And it's, t- it's turning out that abortion is just an absolute losing topic for the Republicans. But yet we are on this march to, uh, among others, the new Speaker of the House calling for a complete ban, not a partial ban. And Texas basically saying that even if a woman's dying from a pregnancy and is brought into an emergency room, Texas there's no law and the law in Texas says that you do not have to save that person.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean right and and you know the the I think the issue with Idaho is there, there's a, a federal law that does say uh, it doesn't speak of abortion particularly but doesn't speak of any particular medical procedure but it does say that um, if someone comes into a, a hospital that is is a hospital that accepts medicare and medicaid funds which every hospital does then um hospitals under a obligation to stabilize anyone who comes in in an emergency condition and if they're not willing to do that for anyone that comes in an emergency uh, condition, they can get kicked out of Medicare and Medicaid. And so the Biden administration was relying on that to say that if um, if women come in needing uh, abortion because uh, they're facing life-threatening or health-threatening uh, 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 emergencies, um, then that that federal requirement would preempt any state law to the contrary. And that, that is the one that the court just sided with the state on. And I think this court. Is pretty fanatical about um, uh, being against abortion, and also has a general um, inclination to try to poke the Biden administration in the eye every time they can, and, and I think that those two factors run the same way here. So it's not surprising that they they ruled against the Biden administration and in, in favor of the Idaho abortion ban in this case.
0: Poking Biden in the eye, isn't that that's very mature? Uh, yeah. Ken Katkin yeah. is with me. We got uh, another ten or so minutes, and Ken. Is a professor of constitutional law at the Salmon P. Chase School of Law in Northern Kentucky, where he's got to sit down and do some, a lot of work this weekend before returning to school on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, does that does that include your radio show? You are you? Uh, yeah, I am going. I am going to go on the radio tomorrow. I
1: haven't even really figured out. Uh, I was trying to maybe you can help me, Chris. I, 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 I will certainly do a segment for Sid Barrett's birthday. But other than that, I was thinking of doing segments about either the Epiphany of January sixth, you know, being the Epiphany, or about you know the stuff we've been talking about, the insurrection. But I would really need some suggestions for songs that would be relevant to those topics, you know, for
0: for for the either for the Epiphany or for the insurrection. The Epiphany is. Are you using that in a religious sense? The Epiphany. What do you,
1: could be I mean January 6th right it's the day isn't it the day that the three wise kings from the orient came to see the baby Jesus and that's what they celebrate in the eastern orthodox you know you Church? would
0: think being raised a roman catholic i would know that and then at my father's side was greek orthodox you think i would know that i've heard of the epiphany you're probably right i'm going to i'm going to go with you you're absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah. right that's you what mean, happened. In the,
1: east, in, the east it's, in the east, it will be Christmas tomorrow.
0: Hey, what do you that's, think? That's what they... do you think of this movement now to say that Christ wasn't Jewish but Palestinian? I, I find that really interesting. <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> you mentioned well, Joseph. All, all, of the, you, you... all of the Palestinians, <laughs> all of the Palestinians were Jewish until the 11th century when they converted to Islam. It's right? amazing. So I they guess all would have been Jewish back then. it's yeah. all it's all so confusing. Um, yeah. I, I, you mentioned Joseph Goebbels earlier, and you made me think that that that's maybe maybe when Trump said he doesn't he's never read Mein Kampf, no one asked him did you ever read Goebbels? I mean you must have <laughs> you must have read some of this shit because you're definitely. Yeah. And by the way, Stephen Miller is not called the Nazi of Malibu for nothing. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. this this language is coming from Stephen Miller. I, I'm not even sure Trump knew what the word vermin meant until someone told him i I, I, i'll be honest but you know what do you what do you think about that by the way because we haven't talked for a while and then october 7th happened and now anti-semitism is up what 300 percent in this country and it's becoming just this really just when you think the jews are not the eternal scapegoat of history you're reminded once again (laughs) that they're the eternal scapegoat of history it's i just find it amazing I just find it amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's it's interesting to me. You know, I'm out here in in Cincinnati, but you know, I teach in Kentucky, and I'm, I'm sure the 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 culture out here is different, you know, than in in New York and New Jersey. But uh, because you know, on the on the one hand, we we don't have um, you know the the kind of you know uh, uh, progressive left that's been very critical of Israel. You know, there's not that much of that out in this part of the country where I am, so I don't hear that as much, but um, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, uh, yeah, I think people are um, there's a basic lack of understanding of, of you know the, the issues surrounding the, the conflict, and uh, it, it's it it is it is uh, it seems like in this country everybody was um, very sympathetic to Israel right after October seventh, but it it didn't last very long, and and now you know even though the the Hamas continues to hold about 150 hostages. Um, you know, there does seem to be kind of a large outcry that you know those hostages should just be abandoned, and there should just be a, a ceasefire, and nobody should try to get them back. And uh, you know, that doesn't make much sense to me. Um, you know, I certainly, you know, if somebody came into, into my house and kidnapped my kids and took them away, you know, I wouldn't want to hear people saying, "Well, hey, forget about that. Don't worry. Let's just let's just not worry about it." You know, and I feel like that's what a lot of the world is saying right now to Israel.
0: I don't know. It's really like you live through these times and you see what goes on, and you shake your head and you go, "What the fuck?" I mean, I never thought, you know, that this would be the the our our, our ally, Israel, our democratic ally in the Middle East, the only yeah. one of the few spots of sanity in the Middle East, and and yet to see the vicious anti-Semitism that's going on, these videos yeah. of people going into uh, restaurants and tearing down a Star of David if they see it and tearing down the missing posters if they see them and just deciding that somehow I don't get it I I, I just it, it it really is sickening it the whole thing is sickening yeah,
1: tearing down the posters of the hostages in particular seems uh kind of uh you know like extraordinarily hateful and not um I can't see any I can't see any 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 better spin to put on that? You know when, when that. When and that none happens. of
0: this but, is saying that Netanyahu isn't uh, another tall human pile of garbage, as far as I'm right. concerned. And this is not to say that uh, there's blame to be parceled out for both sides, because both sides, in various guises, have rejected the idea of a two-state solution over the entire history of the state of Israel. And whether or not uh, th- those conversations will begin happening again. Not as long as that Yahoo's around, and and he right. says he's not going to leave until this war is over, and the war could never be over. It might be an endless war. Who knows? Yeah, I mean
1: that's a, that's a, you put your finger on something important there because I think he he has incentive to make it an endless war because basically he's kind of laid it out that he's not going to uh, call for elections or leave while while they're still fighting the war, right? So that just gives him an incentive to to never end this war, and, and I think and, uh, that is.
0: Well, also, like Donald Trump, he has incentive to remain president so he's not prosecuted for his crimes. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I think I think he will. I mean, he certainly is running for that purpose. Uh, you know, I I wonder, you know, I mean, even if he managed to get elected and, and serve another four years, um, I don't think he'd be able to escape prosecution for all these crimes because, um, you know, he might be able to pardon himself on all the federal crimes, but— a number of the crimes are state crimes, and the, I think the most he'd be able to do is um, toll that while he's sitting in the uh, White House for four more years. But I think he'd still have to answer, you know, in the Georgia courts um, and in the New York courts uh, afterwards. So I, I don't think Trump really has any path where he ends up getting uh, totally uh, uh, out of all his legal trouble.
0: Listen, I at this point would settle for house arrest at Mar-a-Lago. If he had to put <laughs> that, if he had to put that thing around his ankle, I would consider that a victory. Because yeah, I don't
1: think I, some of these, I think that would be good. I think some of these criminal trials will move forward uh, in the summer too. I don't think. I mean, he's he's thinking that he can delay them all the way past the election, but I think if he succeeds in delaying them, say from March till June, um, I think that both the prosecutors and the judges are going to just go ahead and do them in June. I, I think they're going to be, you know, there's everybody's kind of pissed off at all these delays, and I, I don't think he's going to succeed in coming up with enough uh, of delaying tactics to. To You know, even even though we normally might think, you know, three months from the election, that's pretty close. But since the, all that delay will have been caused by him, I think I think the cases will proceed.
0: I'm talking with Ken Katkin. We're getting caught up. It's been quite a while since we spoke. And anything else coming up on the Supreme Court's docket that you're especially interested in, in following?
1: I'll tell you one case that's a real sleeper, but it, I think it's a huge deal. Um, I don't want to get too technical here, but... Uh, when I talked before about uh, poking um, the Biden administration in the eye, uh, one of the real major projects of this Supreme Court has been to try to um, uh, you know, change the – there's an the area of law called administrative law, which is basically about you know, what, what, can the, what can the executive branch do, how much can the executive branch do. So, you know, some cases that some of the listeners might be familiar with, you know, you know, for instance, that the Biden administration last year uh, forgave a lot of student loan debt. And then the Supreme Court, you know, reversed that and said, "Well, you can't uh, re- relieve all that student loan debt." So they, they put all the student loan debtors back, back on the, back on the, on the hook for those debts. Um, that's an example of what's called administrative law, where the administration just sort of takes initiatives, and then the court decides whether they can do it or not. And for 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 the last uh, forty years. And by the way, they um, did that,
0: Ken and Well, uh, Clarence Thomas was driving around in his super fancy RV that some donor gave him.
1: Yeah, that's the best so, part. So, so for the past 40 years, the Supreme Court's doctrines have mostly held that, um, it, that, that if, if Congress sets up a statutory scheme that delegates some kind of um, policymaking discretion to to the White House, then the White House has a lot of latitude to take action. And, you know, I think that this court is very interested in transforming that now, into well it depends whether the court agrees with the action or not, but ultimately it's going to be that the court could could you know time it's Joe biden they could just say no, but anytime it's um you know Donald Trump they could just say yes uh, or maybe to him they 'd also say no, but if they could if they could get another george w bush they 'd always say yes or whatever and uh um, and so there is this very strange little case it 's called the loper bright case, and it's it seems to be about a very small dispute it's it's a, the case is about um uh, whether the um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service um, can make uh, commercial fishermen uh, hire um, individuals called monitors uh, when they go out on their commercial fishing boats, and the, the monitors will count how many fish they, they catch and make sure they're not exceeding the regulatory limits. So the Fish and Wildlife Service has said that you know the, the commercial fishermen not only have to. Um, Stay under the caps in terms of how many fish they catch, but they, they also have to pay uh, a, a licensed monitor to go out with them and watch and count and make sure they're in, complying. And that's being challenged. And so that you know, it's, it's a pretty small case that people wouldn't pay a lot of attention to. But one of the um, uh, issues that the court took up in that case is just generally um, whether, if, if the administration does an initiative like that, Um, you know, even within an area like this where the the Congress did give them statutory authority to take these kind of initiatives, um, does that mean the court has to allow it, or does the court get to choose whether the court agrees with it or not? And uh, I think there's, you know, they they, they probably will rule against Biden in this case. And, you know, no one will notice because, you know, who cares about whether commercial fishing boats have to uh, hire uh, monitors or not. But then that's going to be a very important precedent going forward, Uh, Because then they're going to say, well, now, see, we already established that the law is the president can't take any initiatives unless the court agrees with the initiative.
0: Oh, my God. My head is pounding, Ken Kacken, from all this, I'll tell you honestly. But, yeah, let's get caught up on that because we're now out of time here. And uh, we'll talk again, but I do appreciate you returning Aerial View live because it's been yeah, a while.
1: It, I hope it sounded okay. You know, I had yeah. to use the telephone because my computer is giving me trouble.
0: Oh, it sounds fine. Everything's groovy, and I'm going to say goodbye because we're almost out of road, but thank you again so much for doing this, and I'll talk to you real soon, and don't forget, uh, here on the Hound NYC, you got Hound Howls on Sundays at 3 p.m., and then uh, right after that, following the Hound Howl at 5 p.m. is Crashing the Party. <laughs> blew Up Chop Shop of the Year with Mark and Miriam.